Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Ashley Quinlan, Senior Road Technical Editor here at Bike Radar, and I am joined today by our Senior Technical Writer, Simon Von Bromley. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, not too bad. Obviously, I'm well, not in the same room as you, which is disappointing. Um, I've had a, bit of a, had a bit of a cold, as I think a lot of the team have recently. So I'm kind of on the recovery, but not quite, not quite recovered enough to sit in a small room with someone else who has a you know who has a life that doesn't want to be ruined by a cough yeah uh, well i'm grateful i'm grateful <laughs> for you thinking of me but uh, no we are connected by the uh, wonders of technology so i'm sure we'll be okay uh, but before you were struck down with your illness have you been out on the bike much or been able to do any any, any uh, cycling recently i've hardly been out on the bike at all to be honest i obviously ride my 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 little my little one to the childminders every day. But other than that, to be honest, I've literally been on the, the turbo trainer for about a month, um, which I, 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 to be honest, I don't really mind. <laughs> well, that's fair enough, because today, um, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, indoor training and a little bit about uh, what we can, ex- well, what we can see and what we can expect uh, through to 2023, what's new and what's happening. Um, but, you know, it's winter here in the UK. Um, I know some of our listeners, you know, down under in the Southern Hemisphere will be enjoying, we're basking in, beautiful weather i'm sure uh we're all jealous up here um but uh, you know it's cold it's dark it's wet all of the time um and that means that many of us like you simon are doing a lot of indoor training uh, myself included um so um in this pod uh we're going to be talking through what's new for 2023 um and why now is a good time to get into indoor training if you haven't if you aren't already so simon where, where do we want to kick off today so I, I think one of the the kind of big developments um, this year, and obviously now going into twenty twenty three, has been the kind of uh, d- 
developments in the in the, in the kind of hardware space, not just in terms of you know I think the kind of the feature set of a modern you know direct drive smart trainer is is pretty set at this point. Yeah, but we saw uh, a particularly big launch kind of midway through the year when Zwift launched the uh, the Zwift Hub, which was its first direct drive trainer. It came in at really really good price, so four hundred and forty nine pounds, four hundred ninety nine euros, four hundred ninety nine dollars. But it offers a spec that competes with you know sort of seven hundred, eight hundred pound slash dollar trainers. It does include a cassette, and actually you get a choice of a cassette, which is a uh, which is a which is a first as far as I'm aware. But that's kind of shaken things up considerably, I think. And so for me, that was the kind of uh, the big launch of the year, and I think that's kind of where we should start. Yeah, because well, like like you mentioned, the here the value seems to be the key. Um, I don't want to use the word kicker, but I'm going to <laughs> because that's another brand entirely. But that's the that's the really that's the big USP here for for Zwift. They're cu- they're coming in under the price for the same sort of quality as other other brands might be bringing to the table. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know when they kind of announced it. Obviously, you know the first thing that went through my head as someone who was going to be testing it was like, oh, I hope this is good. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because <laughs> you know? obviously, you know we've we've tested cheap smart trainers before, and and often you know they like you know a bit like anything. You know, manufacturers make a load of claims, you know, power accuracy is X or whatever. And the, when you get them out of the box, they they don't always live up to the kind of standards. But for the most part, the Zwift Hub does. It, it's not, you know, it's not completely perfect at kind of very high flywheel speeds that you get when you're kind of descending, you know, out the Zwift or whatever. The power accuracy does kind of tail off a little bit and the, and the cadence accuracy can be patchy at high flywheel speeds. But yeah. These things are really kind of like nitpicky details yeah. that you really kind of you only notice if you're kind of riding with you know two or three power meters at the same time. And 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 actually, uh, you know, there isn't a perfect smart trainer uh, out there in a, in a sense. A lot of them, even the kind of most expensive ones, will have you know some issues somewhere along along the kind of way. So yeah, it offers a really impressive performance at a really good price. And I think you know it's going to have a lot of other brands. Uh, kind of looking over their shoulders and wondering whether they're going to have to reduce their prices, which in a kind of era of inflation is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems to be sort of backward logic, really, when you consider where you know bike prices and kit prices are going at the moment. So who who is the Zwift hub designed for? Who Who should really be considering buying one of those? So obviously, you know, it's made by Zwift, but crucially, that doesn't mean that you have to be a Zwift user if you want to use it. So it's compatible with all the kind of standard standard apps it you know it, it's not tied to zwift in any way it it's it's uh it's the same as kind of you know any other direct drive smart train in that sense it just kind of has zwift branding on it so it, it's targeted at the more entry level end of the spectrum um I, I would say it has a spec that is competitive with you know mid-range smart trainers but it is clearly targeted at getting people you know who haven't maybe ridden much indoors into zwift in a kind of big way because you know you can get on Zwift with a, a dumb trainer and a power meter or a speed sensor or with a kind of cheaper wheel on smart trainer but the experience takes a big step up at the level uh, at which you get a direct drive smart trainer which the Zwift hub is and I think that's you know the, the same is to be fair true for all of the other apps is that direct drive trainers just offer a much better ride feel you know, you don't have any problems with tire wear, tire slipping, that sort of yeah. thing, and they have much more accurate power measurement, 
much bigger flywheels, which creates that uh, feeling of kind of inertia in the system and gives it a feeling that you actually have some kind of momentum in the system when you're pedaling. And so uh, it's kind of, it's a really, you know, it looks like a great trainer for anyone who who doesn't already own a direct drive smart trainer. Now, if you do already own a direct drive smart trainer, there might not be much here for you to consider upgrading unless you've got something really old. But yeah. if you don't, then this could be a really good time to get one. So where can we, well, where can we see see this review? Is the review live already, I believe? It is, yeah. It's live already on biteradar.com and it scored a very healthy four and a half stars out of five. Um, so, you know, for me, it's kind of a class leader in that price bracket at the moment. There are other trainers, direct drive smart trainers that cost a similar amount. There's the Elite Zumo, for example. The the power accuracy on the on the Elite Zumo wasn't quite as good as the Zwift Hub. It was about 5% off you know, which doesn't, you know, not too bad, but it, you know, that's, that's quite a lot off your sprint. And if you're looking to race, you know, losing 5% of your, your FTP or your power might be a bit annoying. And then if you, you know, obviously beyond that, you have to get a little bit more expensive to get something like the Wahoo Kicker Core, which is a very good trainer, but I think that's priced at around 700 pounds. You know, you might be able to find it on sale somewhere, but you know, that, that will depend obviously where you live. And in terms of percentage accuracy, because you just touched upon it there, the uh, the Zwift Hub, do you, can you remember off the top of your head what the figures actually are in terms of the claimed figures, that is? So the claimed figure was 2.5%. And gen- and generally, as I said, like that that was true. When we first got it, it had a kind of, it was on the beta firmware and it had a couple of issues, it had a small issue with a little bit of drift where it would yeah. start a little bit low and kind of warm up and then kind of come into sync with uh, on-bike power meters. But they kind of fixed that just before it was released. So as far as I was concerned, other than that, issue I mentioned earlier with very high flywheel speeds mm. it is pretty much a match for you know on bike power meters like my kind of Verve Infocrank or uh, Favero Asioma Duo you know kind of within you know what what is reasonable obviously it's not going to match it kind of you know what for no. what pedal stroke for pedal stroke because it's you know measuring power in a different location and mm. you know blah 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 but like in terms of if you look at the graphs you know, all the lines lined up very nicely. So yeah, it's just very, very impressive for a trainer that price because you know, you know kind of re- decent power accuracy is something that you know smart train, cheap smart trainers especially have kind of struggled with in the past because you know for obvious reasons they're not measuring your torque and cadence directly, so they're having to kind of infer it in another way. So yeah. you know, uh, so the best smart trainers have always kind of been able to do that quite well, but the cheaper ones. Uh, have not up until now so yeah that is kind of really impressive to see the part of me wonders if it's something of a, a loss leader for zwift you know in the same way that supermarkets will sell alcohol below cost price to kind of get people in part of me wonders if there's a little bit of that going on here because it is so much cheaper than other brands but but, but then maybe other brands just you know have been looking at healthier profit margins and zwift is happier to you know, if it means getting people subscribed, then they're happy to take a slightly reduced profit margin, I suppose. But obviously, you know, no one wants to tell us. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, well, we'll keep an eye on the market with interest and see if other brands come in and and start to get closer to that price point for the same sort of specs, or or if we find that the Zwift Hub is the is the commercial success. Zwift obviously hopes it will be. Um, in terms of sale numbers, that is, and getting people onto their platform, or or whether whether or not they they're quite happy to just run a, a lower a lower profit margin on it for the lower price. You know, there there are instances in 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 the cycling world where where some brands are happy to pass on the uh, the cost savings to you know to to people who are riding. So uh, yeah, we'll watch that space with interest for sure. Um, let's let's move it on slightly. Um, it's not the only trainer that's come out this year, um, and you know. 
Zwift Hub is a is is at the say at the lower end, more entry level as we've said. But there've been a couple of higher end uh, turbo trainers that have come come into play this year as well. Can you tell us a bit about those? Yeah, so I think the the two uh, the big names really in the smart trainer space would be the kind of the new Wahoo Kicker V6 and then the Elite uh, Justo. You know, now these trainers are you know the Wahoo Kicker V6 is kind of you know over a thousand pounds. I think it's uh, one thousand maybe one thousand and ninety nine pounds, one thousand one hundred ninety nine dollars or euros. Mm. And the Elite Justo is more like kind of nine hundred pounds. So they're both kind of pretty premium trainers now. The Wahoo Kicker V6, not a huge upgrade over the V5, which uh, kind of came out a couple of years ago, except that it adds uh, Wi-Fi, which, you know, is kind of, it's nice to have. It's nice to have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily revolutionary at this point. The Wahoo did say when they launched it that um, having Wi-Fi would enable them to roll out bigger firmware updates in the future, you know, and kind of tease that they would be adding you know, more in-depth features as a result of this. But obviously, they've, you know, they've not really said what those are. And as far as I'm aware... Yeah, I mean, at least it could make, um, you know, updating your trainer automatically a little bit easier. You don't have to plug it in, for example, or you don't have to rely upon a decent mobile network or or if you're on Wi-Fi through your, through your phone or Bluetooth connections dropping out, which can happen, you know, Maybe it's just offering another pathway to keep things connected. Yeah, it's, it's also you know, quite fashionable. So, to yeah, have, exactly. It? It's certainly so. So in terms of firmware updates, it actually, if it's connected to your local network, it will do it automatically, which is you know, which is very nice because previously, obviously, with, with most other smart trainers, they connect via Bluetooth. You have to typically go into the kind of you know that the proprietary app that yeah. the yeah. trainer manufacturer makes. You know, typically these apps are not as good as you know, ones designed by Apple or Google or whatever. They're, they're, they're often a bit basic. Maybe English is the brand's second language. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. And, uh, you know, the experience is it can be a bit clunky. So, that, so that's quite nice. And, and yeah, un- undoubtedly, you know, I, where, wherever I live, obviously it depends. If you're kind of working out in your garage, this, this might not be the case. But Wi-Fi in my house is, is very stable. You know, mm-hmm. I, Bluetooth has always been pretty stable for me, but I have read that uh, certain people have had problems in the past with Bluetooth on Windows devices and, you know, trainer connections. So if you've been having kind of connectivity issues and, you know, power dropouts uh, in the middle of a kind of, you know, Zwift race or a training session can be really infuriating. So if this kind of, you know, small quality of life change kind of improves that, then that that's a win-win. And, uh, you know, like I said, the the rest of the trainer is still kind of class-leading in a sense that it's got you know, fantastic ride feel, fantastic power accuracy. It's very quiet. Yeah. You know, it's built like a tank. You know, so yeah, it's really expensive. But if you want the kind of, you know, one of the best smart trainers currently available, then I think the, uh, the Kicker V6 is certainly one of them. And the Elite Justo, we also talked about as well. It's, it's earned a bit of a nickname in, in the office, hasn't it? But uh, for, for its uh, relatively unique shape. But uh, but yeah, that, that also added internet connectivity as well, didn't it? Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll just uh, for those who haven't seen it, you'll need to probably look up a picture to get this reference, But um, which you can do on byteradar.com where my review is published. But it, it has the kind of look of a uh, kind of commercial meat slicer. Uh, but yeah yeah, it's kind of funny like obviously you know this this one up that the the justo builds on the platform of the diretto xr which was elite's previous high-end smart trainer which you know i thought was a very good trainer and the elite justo is is a is a is a very good trainer I, i think it disappointed me slightly that while the build quality has improved i i don't think the kind of the step up in ride feel and and say 
like noise levels, for example, it still kind of lags behind the Wahoo kicker a little bit in in those respects. The there there I found an issue with cadence accuracy when you're climbing uh, sustained resistances. So if you know mm-hmm. if you're going up out the Zwift, for example, the cadence accuracy uh, started to fall off quite significantly, which is you know, a little bit disappointing on a kind of high end trainer. You know, not the end of the world, but you know, also not ideal, and you kind of don't expect it. If you're paying that much money, it did add internet connectivity, but um, unlike the uh, kind of Wahoo Kicker V6, you can only connect it to the internet with uh, a hardwired connection. And actually, you need a kind of dongle adapter, which isn't actually available yet. So if you're buying a Justo now, you won't be able to connect it to the internet until this dongle, you know, appears whenever it whenever it appears. Now we've been, we've been told that it's kind of coming, you know, first third of next year sometime you know maybe around march but obviously that's not a kind of cast iron guarantee at this point so if you're looking for a trainer or to upgrade to a trainer which can connect to the internet you know the justo might be an option at some point but i wouldn't buy it for that specific reason right now no and with the both of these trainers what sort of accuracy levels are we talking about here in terms of you know the claim numbers we always have to go off the claim numbers don't we at the end of the day yeah so for so for both of these they both offer um, in terms of power accuracy plus or minus 1% and in my testing uh, you know both both of these trainers absolutely nail power accuracy so these these are the type of trainers that you know if you wanted to benchmark a, a new power meter against they are both absolutely rock solid. And they, one of the kind of convenient features that both have implemented now is a uh, kind of auto automatic calibration feature, which just prevents the need to do a kind of spin down calibration, you know, 10 minutes into a ride. Yeah. Not a, not a kind of, you know, onerous thing to do necessarily, but, you know, if you've joined a group ride and you notice your power numbers are a bit off because you've just, you know, moved the trainer from you know, inside your house to into your garage or whatever, and it's a little bit colder, then it just, you know, having it kind of just do it for you as you ride, that's much more convenient. It means you're not going to, you know, have to interrupt a workout or as I said, a group ride or something like that. So that's that's a very nice quality of life feature. Yeah. And you talked about benchmarking there. Uh, where if you're talking about, you know, comparing against, a, you know, a known power meter that you might have brought from, you know, you're using on the road and you bring it in and you might even combine the two, right, in a, in a training, indoor training setup if, if if that's your bag, especially if you're racing, having two power recording systems is, is at, you know, at the highest level is a, a requirement, I believe. Um, but, you know, when we talk about benchmarking as well, whether or not you're going for something like the Zwift Hub with plus or minus two and a half percent or something that's got plus or minus one percent or one and a half percent as claimed, um, you know, we're talking about 1%. That it, you know, the variation there isn't very much at all. And actually, the most important thing if you are getting, you know, onto a trainer is is having something that you can rely upon that is consistent for you. So it, it, in theory, it doesn't matter if, if a trainer, you know, consistently uh, um, overestimates your power by, say, 1% or consistently is 1% below another comparative trainer yeah your performance will suffer very slightly in the uh, in the virtual world but in terms of your real world out on the road performance as long as it's consistent you've got a benchmark that you can then you can then train against right yeah to, to a degree and and it depends how much money you're spending i think you know if you're spending a, a lot of money obviously you want something that that you know does what it claims i think at the lower end you know there's kind of more leeway because you're paying for other features as well i think you know, for me, as someone who trains with power, both indoors and outdoors, you know, I want my indoor numbers to match the outdoor numbers. So it is important yes. to me that mm-hmm. the the trainer is accurate 
you know, so that when I go outside, if I've done, you know, 200 and, you know, whatever watts in, in a kind of fitness test inside, that's kind of broadly comparable to what I do outside. Now, you know, if you don't have a power meter for outside and your smart trainer is your kind of only benchmark, then, then yeah, the kind of consistency of that uh, particular benchmark is going to be more important to you because you won't have anything else to compare it against. I think, you know, as with anything, knowing the kind of limitations of any device is important. So yeah, with the Zwift Hub, the power accuracy seemed to be really good, except in those kind of ultra high flywheel speed situations. So, you know, if you're doing anything in those ultra high flywheel situations, don't take that as <laughs> yeah. as kind of, you know, as what it is, right? But then for your training, you can kind of get around that because you don't use ultra high flywheel speeds in, you know, interval training for erg mode or whatever like that. So it shouldn't really have too many effects. You know, ideally everything would just be, you know, rather than having error bands, everything would just be accurate right mm-hmm. yeah of course <laughs> but we you know we're not quite there yet with the within the industry so 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 yeah consistency is probably you know most important for the majority of people but uh, but i do but i do think you know ideally we would we want to be consistent and accurate so that you know when as we're kind of if you're taking your training seriously and you're kind of building up a kind of data set then you know hopefully all of your data is is comparable to each other so so yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I also don't want to give manufacturers a, a pass to <laughs> of course to make not. you know inaccurate trainers, and I will still be nitpicking. <laughs> and so you should as well, with my support. Um, <laughs> but you know, if someone's out in the market uh, right now, you know, for a, for an, an indoor trainer, um, they're shopping around. Uh, you know, the, the bike industry shortages and you know price increase, increases that sort of have been driven by that uh, are pretty well publicized at this point. And we're starting to come to a bit more stock availability across brands and across whether it's bikes, wheel sets, whatever you may, it may be. But, you know, indoor trainers, uh, you know, you've noticed there's quite, there are quite a few deals out there to be had. There's a good stock availability floating around. Uh, that's good news, right? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I think I remember when, you know, obviously when we were at the kind of height of the pandemic to, you know, sorry to bring up any rough memories for people, but obviously, you know, smart trainers were rarer than hen's teeth then. Um, whereas if I, yeah, if you look now, if you go on a, any kind of major website, you can typically find a number of, of, of good options. Uh, so obviously there'll be you know, way more than we've talked about on, on, yes. on this podcast, but you know, all of our smart trainer reviews, you know, most of the models you can find online, we will have reviewed. So if you go onto biteradar.com and, and look at our best smart trainers list, you know, if it's on there, you can rest assured that we've tested it. It's a good smart trainer. And yeah, like there, there seems to be, you know, obviously the kind of websites don't tell you how many they have in stock, but they seem to be a number of units in stock. And yeah, I'm even noticing some kind of offers, you know, whether it's 10% off, 50% off, something like that. And so, you know, for example, with the Elite Justo coming out, the Elite Diretto XR, uh, you know, is technically being kind of superseded, but still a really good trainer in my opinion. And so if you were to, f- say, find one of those at a good price, that might be an option worth considering. Sure. Okay. Well, let's move it on from hardware, shall we? And move into sort of the virtual world, into into software. Now, um, you know, you've noted to me in the past few weeks and uh We've covered on a couple of news stories, a few um, expansions to some worlds out there. Um, t- talk us through a few of those. Should we start with the big player? You know, Zwift is is the is the biggest and most well known. So, should we start there? Is it the Urukazi expansion? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, another difficult to pronounce name. Zwift is continuing to expand its uh, Makuri Islands hub world, which is the kind of uh, second always on uh, hub world that it has 
along with yes. uh, Watopia, because obviously they have, you know, I think eight or nine different locations mm-hmm. on Zwift, but they're not always on all the time. But Watopia and the Makuri Islands are always available to ride in. Um, and so, yeah, the Urukaisi expansion, expansion brings uh, eight new routes to the game, a mix of virtual road surfaces, whether it's kind of tarmac, gravel, and and then sand, virtual sand, which is a new one. I, I not, I'm not sure if the uh, the tax uh, Neo 2T is able to simulate virtual sand yet. <laughs> well, I'm maybe, not sure what maybe, that would feel maybe, like. Yeah, maybe a, a new model in the future might be able to, who knows. <laughs> but yeah, so so that's kind of the new one. I think, you know, obviously, the, you know, the virtual road surfaces, you know, you don't feel them at the trainer with most smart trainers, but, you know, they affect the way you ride in game. So, you know, you're going to have to pedal a little bit harder to go to the same, to same speed, for example. Um, but yeah, so obviously Zwift, as you said, is the kind of like big player in this in this market and, and it's just continuing to grow, which is nice. You know, which obviously shows that, you know, hopefully they're not kind of just... You know, resting on their laurels, but they are continuing to expand and, and bring new roads. I think one thing I'd really like to see personally is is a few more uh, really big climbs. A lot yeah. of the the new new worlds have kind of you know just they just don't have a lot of climbing. And as someone who kind of quite enjoys the challenge of you know an Alpe de Zwift or a Mont Von Top or whatever, that I would personally like to see a few more of that. But you know maybe my tastes don't chime with the rest of the user base. <laughs> Well, I have to agree with it, you know, on a personal level, I have to agree with you. It's nice to see, you know, interesting challenges and topography. It's it's often what many people travel to to go and take on, whether it's a, you know, a sportive in the summer or, you know, you go to the Alps on a cycling holiday or any other number of places, you know, those are the challenges that, that you know, really sort of appeal to people to try. So, you know, why not have that in the virtual world as well? Um, so we, we've covered Zwift, but, you know, Wahoo has also made some made some changes and some updates, uh, dare I say, an integration of, of two previous platforms or platforms that still exist but have been integrated. Just um, tell us a little bit about those. You know, I, I think uh, Wahoo X now encompasses Wahoo RGT and System, right? Yeah, so... Um, for those you know who who weren't aware, Wahoo purchased uh, the Sufferfest, which was a previous indoor training app a, a little while ago, and then sooner in the past they purchased uh, RGT Cycling, and so RGT Cycling was a, a kind of Zwift competitor uh, with a bit kind of a bit more a bit more realism. And so the mm-hmm. roads that in that are you know they're kind of based on real world places, and the kind of you know, the graphics are you know trying to be a little bit more real than the than the ones in Swift. Um but yeah, Wahoo X is now a kind of what is Wahoo's new sort of subscription service and it gives you access to both Wahoo system, which takes the kind of the Sufferfest stuff and the training plan builder aspects, and then RG Wahoo RGT, formerly RGT Cycling, uh the virtual cycling app, and then kind of combines them into one subscription. So you know, obviously I know Zwift and the kind of gamified apps aren't for everyone so if you want something that enables you to you know do a little bit of virtual cycling and you know obviously Wahoo uh, RGT also offers some virtual racing as well but you also want a kind of more structured training plan you know to follow kind of videos that are just about training and and, and you know workouts that are just about intervals you know with a kind of a bit more of a focus and a bit more customization than you know an app such as Swift offers then Wahoo X could be a really good one, uh, especially if you've got a, you know, kind of other products in the kind of Wahoo ecosystem, like an element computer, because they yeah. recently announced that training plans and workouts can be synced from system directly to Wahoo element bike computers. So, you know, if you wanted to go do your workout outside one day, shock horror, <laughs> mm-hmm. then that would be a possibility. 
it's interesting to see, you know, the two different, I say, pathways that two, you know, major players in the virtual space have taken their ones going into world expansion, that sort of gamifying sort of gamification, I should say, uh, approach to, to, to expansion. And Wahoo seems to have gone down to integrating into a more, more comprehensive training um, uh, feature set. Um, it's not to say that Swift doesn't have that. It's not to say that Wahoo doesn't have you know gaming elements to it as well, and and the ability to meet up and ride together, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's just that you know it's interesting to see that um, where the priorities lie in terms of the development pathways for for something that's constantly developing as well. You know, we may not see it, but you know there are patches being applied to these software products weekly. Yeah, definitely, and I think it's nice to have them kind of not both just going down exactly the same path and competing for exactly the same users. Cause I think that, yeah. you know, that, that wouldn't lead to a kind of healthy uh, ecosystem. You know, I, Zwift is kind of like my personal favorite at the moment, but you know, I really want competitors in the market because, you know, if someone's to release something, something better, like I'm very happy to switch. I don't want it to kind of, you know, you never like with any kind of software, right? You don't want to be, a, you don't want it to reach in a kind of Adobe situation where it's the only good thing on the market and they've got you Who's forever. Who's going to the lawsuit on that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For some software you know, giants in America. Yeah, Sorry, well, you know, like I love Adobe Photoshop and, and Lightroom. Obviously, we use them a lot in our job, but yeah. you know, crikey, you, they, you know, they, they know that they've got you, don't they? <laughs> I think they do. I think they do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, let's move it on a little bit to, you know, people who, you know, you were using these apps and so on. And Zwift, you know, I have to say is probably the the leader in this field right now. You know, we're talking about virtual racing as well and something that people can try. You know, we're seeing popularity increase at the moment. Um, we've What's new in that space at the moment, Simon? Or, or what should people know about if they're thinking about going into it? So I think the kind of the news in virtual racing is just that there's now so much of it. And, um, you know, if we think back, you know, only a couple of years ago when obviously, you know, COVID was stopping the Tour de France and we were seeing, you know, virtual racing on the, on the, on the telly, if you bothered to watch it, <laughs> yeah. some people, not everyone did, but you know, some people did, but, but I think it's getting really, really popular. Uh, I'm going to ask you about your virtual racing exploits in a moment, Ash. But I think, yeah, just generally, there are there's just a lot to do. You know, you could race every every single day on Zwift if you wanted to. There's kind of monthly series where you can enter as an individual, or you could race as a team. You know, most mm-hmm. of the races take kind of 30 to 40 minutes, which is quite convenient. It means you don't obviously have to dedicate you know three hours to sit indoor in the trainer and do a race. Um, yeah, there's just there's just a lot to do, and I think a lot more people are kind of taking the plunge into it. Yeah. Well, you said you were going to ask me about my my experiences racing. I am about uh, to ask you. I'm about to put you yeah. on the spot, Ash, and say Go like, on. tell us all about your virtual racing exploits, how you've done, and how, you know what your goals are. <laughs> what my goals are? My goals are to be able to hold the peloton, whatever group I happen to be riding in at any <laughs> at any point during during the course. Um, actually, my my experience of Zwift racing is. Um, as someone who keeps dipping, I, I dip my toes into it. I like to do a few group rides on there as well as um, as well as just training sort of uh, sessions as well. So I, I do use a whole mix of sort of virtual riding. But when I, I, I do a bit of Zwift racing when I can, uh, usually as part of the regular league setup. So they have the Zwift Racing League setup. And I, I find it incredibly challenging personally it's a it's a brilliant thing to do because 
you know, if you if you set up like an accompanying Zoom call or or something like that, you can have your, your you and your teammates all on the same call, and you can see them suffering with you as you do it, um, or, or you know, working hard. Um, there there are ebbs and flows to races as well um, when when you're out there, so you can communicate if you've got the breath to do it, um, <laughs> and, and so on. Um, but but you know, it's. It's a. It should be noted. It's a very different style of riding to riding um, that, that most people will be used to. You know, you can train for Zwift racing in of itself and be awful, say, out on the road. Um, you know, to, to 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 take it to an extreme, or you can be a brilliant, you know, rider on the road. Not that I am, and be <laughs> terrible at, at, at Zwift racing um, because there, there are different demands. You know, yeah, when you start, I, think I know what you mean. You know, when you when you start a race, for example, it, it, you know there's quite a common thing where uh, the race starts and everyone's suddenly pulling five, six, seven watts per kilo yeah. for the first sort of That's five right. or ten minutes, and then yeah. you get shelled out the back. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, just to explain, is, just for people yeah. who don't, whoever you haven't done it before, the, the, this often catches. It caught me out the very first time I I did a Zwift race. Is that people start pedaling before. The race starts. Yeah, yeah, well, yes. So yeah. as soon as the flag drops, you know, and the first second starts, everyone's already going 300 watts. So they don't go from zero to 300 watts over the first 10 seconds. They go from 300 watts to 600 watts for the first however yeah, however long they can maintain it. And it, it, it's yeah. just a nightmare. I feel I feel like Zwift could probably fix that. If we're talking about Zwift specifically <laughs> here, that's a bugbear of mine and they could probably <laughs> fix it. Um, to actually get people rolling at a more sensible pace as opposed to starting, you know, bang straight out the blocks. Of course, you can, you know, you can do a warm up before, beforehand and um, and add to, you know, and sort of add to the workout experience as well. So, you, you know, you ride it with more efficiency when you get to that point and you, and you can hold on and so on. And yes, I've held on, a, you know, for a, a couple of races, but it's it's incredibly challenging. You know, that being said, it makes it sound negative. It's not at all. It's a brilliant way to sort of get something different in that you can't predict. Uh, mm. Apart from the fact that it'll be high intensity and, and difficult, and you'll push yourself to your limit, you'll know when you need to knock it off. You'll know when you know you've you're you're having difficulty, you know, on a climb, or you know you you'll know. In my in my case, I am not a sprinter, so whenever there's a sprinter's course, and they're usually points sort of points course based course, courses out there uh, that, that come up, you know, more often than not, it's uh, you know it's it's really difficult. But that's the point sometimes because it gives me a chance to sort of try and hang on and if i can get myself into a group further up by the finish and so i finish in say 60th place rather than <laughs> 82nd then you know that that's a victory you know for me personally personally i like the, the team time trial element of it i really like the cooperative work that you can do and 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 to move it away from just talking about you know the swift racing league they do do team time trials as part of the mix of races that they present as as part of the league but you can do team time trial uh, racing from other providers that set up races and you can get a team together and just run a, you know run your team time trial through that for example so there are di- there are different styles of racing to, that you can take on so I, I i have to say it's something that's definitely worth pe- you know listeners now if you haven't given it a go already getting out there and have you know having a go at it and and you know it's healthy to expect to fail or not to do as well as you might <laughs> hope to begin with, um, I think. Uh, but uh, what, what, once you you let go of any sort of misconceptions that you might be, you know, a, a pro racer in waiting, actually, it's it, it's a lot of fun and um, and and does your fitness wonders. I've got to say. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I, I think for me, like it, 
as you say the kind of effort is is just just so intense that i find mm. it if i if i do it i find it impossible to kind of recover from that and then do yeah. anything else in, in in the quality in the kind of in the, in the rest of the week but oh, if you if you yeah cool. If you, if you like that sort of style of effort and um, and it kind of works for you and you know you need if you especially if you're you know if you're a competitive person obviously then it is a fantastic way to draw a maximal effort out of yourself because there's yeah. I, I don't know what it is like I I but I think before I tried you know Swift and things like that I I, I kind of thought like I can't be that engaging but it's surprising how you know. F- not wanting to get dropped as you say or like as soon as someone says it's a race that kind of competitive instinct just kind of takes over and and you're able to dig so much deeper than you otherwise would be able to yeah and on top of that as well you don't always notice uh that you're you're putting sort of the power levels that you're putting in of course you can see them flashing up on the screen and um and so on but the the every time i i do a zwift race my my garmin which uh, is paired to my power meter pedals, also from Garmin. Um, but I've also got the um, I've got my uh, Saris um, H3 trainer that records power, pretty you know, pretty smoothly as well, pretty pretty regularly. Um, and each time that I, I I'm racing, I find that I find that it then flashes up at the end of the ride, even if I feel like I've done badly with a new sort of predicted FTP. That the algorithm, because it's recorded me riding for for a lot of my you know riding sort of year in the past year, it, it the although it's just a, a prediction, the algorithm can give you an indication of where your fitness is and where your condition is, um, and it can tell you fairly early on as well, you know how your condition might be depending on where your heart rate is relative to your. Um, to, you know, to your power outputs. Um, so it's really interesting and, and really motivating to get those kind of, you know, those updates on your, on your head unit, if you're running one at the time, for example. Um, but yeah, it's, as I say, uh, I recommend anyone giving it, you know, to give it a go uh, for sure. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, like, like you said, you, you know, at kind of the end of the day, you don't really have anything to lose, right? If you know, <laughs> you probably, most people probably know their not a Tour de France pro in hiding. Um, but you never know. There are obviously, you know, you, you can enter the Zwift Academy series if you're feeling particularly confident. And, you know, there are there is a possibility to win a win a pro contract if you are good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the kind of rest of us, you know, assuming you've subscribed to Zwift, you've already kind of paid your entry fee in that sense. So, there's no, you know, there's, no, no, there's nothing extra to be paid to enter a race. And so, yeah, worth a, worth a try. Yeah, but we will caveat this by saying that we shouldn't. You shouldn't be racing every day. You know, we all need we all need recovery, and and we can't emphasize enough that you know these, the these efforts are they're as hard as you make them. First of all, but if you are planning on ending yourself to keep, just keep up with the uh, with the peloton in the group, or you find yourself near the front and you're in a race winning attack, you are going to go above and beyond where you thought your limits were, um, and so doing that repeat day after day isn't smart at all. We all need our recovery. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, it, yeah, obviously, we're not professional coaches, but I think no, no. most people can agree that it is the middle of winter, and if you kind of like burn all your matches through the winter, yeah, you know, racing on Zwift, then you might come to the, you might get to springtime a little bit knackered, uh, yeah, yeah. rather than rather than much fitter. So yeah, so yeah, probably worth just, you know, all good things in moderation. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, I think that probably concludes our chat today on uh, on indoor training and where we are in 2023. It's still there. It's it's for everyone, and you know we've got some new smart trainers out there that are really worth looking at on you know bikeradar.com, 
our latest reviews are all live. We've still got a trainer or two in the mix that we're reviewing right now. So there'll be more coming through the winter. Um, and, and on top of that as well, you know, we've got our best list as well. So even if you see a review that may have gone live, maybe, uh, you know, before the last six months. And so, you know, we, we, we cultivate these best lists. So if we know that it's still, you know, one of the best smart trainers out there and it's still available and you can get it on a good discount, then absolutely go for it because, you know, we weren't lying the first time and we're certainly not lying <laughs> now. So, uh, you know, they are still one of the very best, uh, trainers out there so yeah straight to bikeradar.com check out our best list on smart trainers um but for now thank you for listening if you have any questions or comments for us you can email us at podcast at bikeradar.com um and we you know we'd love to hear your feedback we'd love to hear your questions maybe we'll be able to feature them in a future uh, tech questions pod um and please also subscribe if you haven't already and tell us you know let your friends know that we're here as well because you know we, we want to be communicating with everyone so um anyway we will see you next time thanks for joining me simon thanks very much ash take care thanks for listening to the bike radar podcast if you've not done so already please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode